0: Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I'm Jennifer and this is episode 18. Dating update. Ugh. I mean, at this point I'm just riding out the subscription. A couple more weeks left and then I am done. <laughs> I'm not I am not renewing. I mean it this time. I am not renewing. I ugh, just today, I had something happen. I guy sent me a text on the app, um, which I responded to. I mean, I looked at his profile. He seemed fine. Um, And his text was very simple. You know, I think um, he liked the picture of Gracie. You know, whatever, cute dog, whatever. And I just wrote back, like, thank you. We texted a little bit. And then he asked if we could move to Kick, which if you guys aren't familiar, Kick is like a free messaging app. But honestly, it's like, at least this is how I interpret Kick. It's like the Tinder of the messenger world. So when he asked me if I had Kick, I was like, well, no, because I'm 49, not 19. Um, but also, you know, like I said... Kick is just not something I would use as a messaging app. Um, there are plenty of other free messaging apps out there. Um, and then he said, well, what about Google Hangouts? And I was like, okay, whatever. You know. He said something about not getting – he was at work, and he said he couldn't get good reception at work and whatever. Okay, fine. So we exchange email addresses. We move over to Hangouts. Um, we're kind of messaging a little bit back and forth, nothing too extreme. And then he says, um, Your profile says that you're curvy. I like that. I'm like, great. I said, Oh, yeah. I said, You know, I want to be truthful. I don't want to say I'm athletic or slim because. Neither of those are true. Um, And if the goal is to meet the person, then why would I lie about my body shape? And he said, yes, he agrees. You know, he likes that I'm truthful. Then he sends me another message saying in great detail, um, I'm going to put this as delicately as as possible because my mom's probably listening. he likes big butts <laughs> he didn't quite say it that way um or that straightforward guys seriously i mean whatever dude I okay great do you know what you like i i guess i should be grateful that he showed who he was so early on because i just deleted him like i said I'm just writing out the subscription TV recommendations so this week I watched two Christmas movies and they both made me very very happy and they're both on Netflix Um, and I liked them both the first one was the Christmas Chronicles part two I had watched uh, part one last year and I liked it it was cute and I was looking forward to watching the sequel this year and it held up you know just as cute I love Kurt Russell, I always have ever since uh, I think I think it was a Disney movie when I was a little strongest man in the world. The only thing I remember about that movie is when he was the morning he woke up really strong. He was trying to tie his sneakers and he snapped the shoelaces because he was just that strong. But yeah, I, I do. I love Kurt Russell. And if there is a man in Hollywood that has better hair, I, I, I challenge you to show me. A man in Hollywood with better hair. I mean, Kurt's almost 70 and he is still so stinking handsome. Just so cool. But the second one I watched, I i think it came out just a few days ago. I've already watched it twice because it is that good. I, I love it. It's called Jingle Jangle. Guys, go watch this movie looks right now. Shut off this podcast. If you have Netflix, watch the movie. If you don't have Netflix, sign up for the seven-day free trial. It's well worth it. It's so, so good. It's the story of Geronicus Jangle, played by, well, the older version is played by Forrest Whitaker, and he's a toy inventor, and he kind of loses faith in people and in himself uh, when his apprentice, played by Keegan-Michael Key steals his book of inventions, and then goes on to become like a very successful toy maker. So Geronicus ends up living like a really solitary life. Um, his wife passes his way, his daughter moves away. And he just kind of stays in his shop, you know, sort of lost in sadness, until one day when his granddaughter Journey comes to pay a visit, and things kind of turn around from there. It's a musical And the music is so good and the choreography is so good. And it feels like the music feels very modern and today, but the look of it is like um, a Christmas carol kind of old fashioned look. So it's beautiful, you know, the costumes are beautiful. Parts of it, like the big sort of production numbers remind me of The Greatest Showman and I love that movie. but the casting is so good. It's like I said, Forrest Whitaker, Keegan-Michael Key, Felicia Rashad, Ricky Martin, who you don't see, you only hear his voice, but he's, he's actually really good in this, very funny. But the standout of the cast is Jangle's granddaughter, Journey. She's played by 11-year-old Madeline Mills. And when I looked her up for this movie, it said newcomer, guys. Newcomer. I mean, she was incredible. Her voice is amazing. Her acting was so good. Her dancing. I mean, if she doesn't have like Broadway star in her future, like her very near future, I, I, then there's a great injustice in this world because she is amazing. I highly recommend this movie. It is so, so good. And then just, you know, following up on a couple of shows that we've talked about in the past, finished up The Undoing, anybody else watch this? Were you as disappointed at the ending as I was? I mean, no spoilers, I don't, I won't spoil it if you plan on watching it, but with all of the twists, the turns, the misdirections, the red herrings, like, that was the ending? Really? Really? David E. Kelly? Hmm. I still love Hugh Grant, so there's that. But but the one that I am still loving and I am getting a little bit obsessed with is The Flight Attendant. Guys, it is so good. I just watched episode five last night. Man, it is really keeping me hooked. I, oh, don't let me down, Kaylee. And now podcast recommendations. Again, I have two this week. The first one is more like my regular kind of recommendation. It's not murder, but it is that kind of same vein. So if you like that kind of thing, you'll like this one. It's called Something Was Wrong. There are six seasons out right now. Each season so far has a different story, about eight episodes each, maybe half an hour to 45 minutes per episode. So very easy to listen to, very easy to binge. I, in fact, listened to the entire first season in one day because I I just got hooked. It's so freaking good. Um, I also listened to epi- er, season two yeah, yesterday. Yesterday. Not as good. I mean, okay. Kep- kept me listening, you know. But I just started season three, um, and I'm one episode into season three, and I already like, okay, here we go. So I mean, it's it's that good. So season one um, is the story of a woman who fell in love with a man who she thought was like the man of her dreams, um, everything she had been praying for, only to find out that he was like a complete sociopath. And that's not me giving a, you know, <laughs> unqualified medical diagnosis. That's actually what they call him in the podcast. Uh, it, it's really really good. So good. I mean, what he did to her was so abusive, not physically, but mentally, emotionally. I know, you know, you hear a lot lately, the term gaslighting seems to be thrown around a lot. But this is like a classic case of gaslighting. It was uh, interesting and terrifying and you know, man, it's just really, really good that you will not believe what this man did and continues to do. And then the other one I wanted to recommend, I won't exactly call it lighthearted, but it's not murder. So if murder is not your thing, try this one. It's called Terrible Thanks for As- Terrible Thanks for Asking. It's hosted by uh Nora McInerney And she started a podcast a few years back after she lost her husband, her father and suffered a miscarriage all in about a year's time. And it's basically about people coping with loss. And I know that sounds like a bummer. But you know, but some of the episodes are sad. But as I said, these people are coping with loss, meaning they're doing their best to kind of get through it. So even though some of the episodes are sad. They still have this sort of element of hope, you know, and sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're really, really sweet, but always thoughtful and honest in the way that they talk about their pain. And it's it's really good. It comes out every Tuesday. You know, it's uh, I would look for that if I were you. I think you'll like it. You know, don't get turned off by the lost part. It's it's not it, it's worth a listen. <laughs> And one last bit of news. After weeks, and I do mean weeks of waiting, my new couch is finally, finally here. I got it yesterday. It's all set up. Gracie has already been on it. She loves it. I love it. I fell asleep on it last night. That was the plan. I couldn't wait to get it in because the plan was to sit down on it with Gracie and some popcorn turn on a movie, watch Jingle Jangle for the second time, and then just pass out, snuggled up next to Gracie, which is exactly what we did. And it was a great night. (laughs) If I remember when I released this episode, I will uh, take some pictures. I know I promised you guys some pictures and the house is not completely where I want it yet as far as like decorating, but it's getting there to the point where I wouldn't be embarrassed to have people over. (laughs) All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So this week's topic inspiration comes from one of my podcast recommendations that I mentioned earlier. Last week on Terrible Thanks for Asking, the host Nora interviewed Susan David, who literally wrote the book on toxic positivity. Now, Right about now, maybe you're like me, and you're saying, what is toxic positivity? And how could being positive ever be toxic? But also, like me, when you hear the definition, you'll probably say either, oh, yeah, I've experienced that. Or maybe you'll say, oh, yeah, I've done that. David explained that most people see emotions as either good or bad, positive or negative. And we often focus on how we should be feeling as opposed to how we're actually feeling. Although a little bit of what she said sounded kind of hokey to me, I did connect with her main points. Um, Like, how often does someone ask you, how are you doing? And you just say fine as a reflex. How often are you not fine? And who do you feel safe enough with in your own life so that you can answer that question truthfully? Now, I'm not saying that the 19-year-old target cashier has to hear about your horrible boss or how when your children misbehave in public, it makes you feel like an inadequate parent. But toxic positivity is also allowing us to lie to ourselves. Now, I grew up at a time when, frankly, it just wasn't polite to answer anything other than I'm fine whenever we were asked how we were doing. No matter what we were going through, no matter what we had gone through, telling someone how we were really feeling it was just rude. We understood that someone asking how are you, was more a polite gesture as opposed to an honest inquiry. Thankfully, for the generations that have come after me, this seems to have somewhat lessened. I've noticed that for people younger than me, they seem a little bit more in touch with their feelings, or at least more willing to express their feelings, which is great. But it is still my first and strongest instinct to just say, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm great. Rather than get into what I'm really feeling. Lying is easy. It's less messy. Nobody feels uncomfortable. And besides, they probably don't really care how I'm feeling anyway. And the other side of toxic positivity isn't just lying about how we're feeling. It's the You know, the typical response when someone is actually being honest with you, saying how they're feeling, and you respond with something like, cheer up, or focus on the positive. In other words, according to David, it's a way of saying, your feelings are making me feel uncomfortable. So I'm just going to throw one of these positive platitudes at you and hope it distracts you long enough for me to run in the opposite direction. This isn't limited to just women. I mean, men deal with this too. Men of my generation and older, they were raised to never show their emotions or they would be seen as weak. Women my age and older were raised that showing our emotions made us seem irrational or unbalanced. I remember back in 1984 when Geraldine Ferraro was selected to run as the vice presidential candidate to Walter Mondale. And what struck me most at that time, as a very young kid, you know, seeing a woman in in this position, it wasn't celebrated. You know, not like, like it is with Kamala today. It's an amazing achievement, right? Not back then it wasn't she was mocked she was ridiculed she was criticized because she was a working mom because she saw her you know she put her career in in front of her family and then if that wasn't bad enough people like to say things like oh a woman will be a heartbeat away from the presidency and that was a really bad thing because what it implied was that because she was a woman That, you know, quote, unquote, once a a month, she could be prone to acting irrationally. So we hide our emotions, at least the ones that we see as bad or negative. Emotions like sadness, feeling overwhelmed, lonely, anxious, scared. Not only do we not share these feelings with the people in our lives, we often hide them from ourselves. But the problem with avoiding them is that they don't go away. They grow. Sometimes to the point where we can no longer manage them in a healthy way. Think of a volcano. I told you guys that when I'm not feeling that great, I will do things like eat or shop. This is just a way for me to avoid feeling whatever negative feelings I'm having. I feel sad. Shopping makes me happy. Therefore, shopping equals happiness until I get the credit card, or I feel lonely. Food makes me happy. Therefore, food equals happiness until I get on the scale. Not feeling my emotions just leads to a perpetual cycle of unhappiness. I can understand why we don't unload on the poor target cashier, but we all probably have someone in our lives with whom we can be honest. So why aren't we? When I was married, there were times when I was so incredibly unhappy. And the people that I trusted most of my life would ask how things were going, how I was feeling, and I always said, I'm good. Things are good. And there were reasons for this, obviously. One, well, what I told myself was that I didn't want to worry them. Most of my family lived across the country, so... How could they help if they, you know, didn't know what was really going on? The real answer, this is the honest answer, is I was ashamed. I used to tell myself I was protecting him because I didn't want my family's feelings for him to change, but that wasn't entirely true either. I was protecting myself. I didn't want to deal with what I thought would be judgment from my family, which is crazy because my family has never been anything but supportive. But this is just kind of further proof. You know, my family never gave me a reason to think that they wouldn't support me. And yet, I decided that I couldn't share these feelings with them. You know, that it would just be too much. Another reason that toxic, toxic positivity is bad for you is that it tends to alienate you from people. This seems antithetical, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to be around a positive person, even if they were faking it? Well, it turns out, just about everyone. We all know or have known that one person who's just a little too perky. You know, you know the one I'm talking about. They're always happy, always upbeat. Their Instagram feed is their perfect home, their perfect spouse, their perfect kids, and their perfect pets, hashtag blessed. Someone who is always positive all the time often comes off as insincere and ends up creating distance. I mean, how could you possibly relate to someone so perfect? And if that isn't enough, suppressing our emotions, even temporarily, can have negative effects on our health. There was a study done back in 1997. And they had two groups of people, the study was on the effects of suppressing your emotions. So it was two groups of people who were shown the same video, and it was kind of like a disgusting medical procedure. So the first group was instructed to just go ahead and let their reactions fly, show their emotions while viewing. But the second group was asked to suppress their emotion while they were watching it. And as I'm sure will be no surprise to anyone, group number two who suppressed their emotions, they didn't do well. They showed worse cognitive functioning and increased physical toll. So we get it, right? I mean, all of this is showing us that we need to acknowledge all of our feelings, that there are no good or bad emotions. And expressing or acknowledging what we're feeling even if only to ourselves, is healthier for us. You know, it stops that perpetual cycle of denial suppression explosion, or in my case, denial suppression, negative behaviors, negative results. And that's all great. But what if you're the toxic one? What if you're the one who everyone at the office kind of avoids before 10 a.m.? Or when anyone tells you they're not feeling their best, you reply, think positive. Every cloud is a silver lining. Or it could be worse. You think that you're helping, giving them a boost. You're not trying to be toxic, not consciously anyway. But when you do this, you create distance because people feel the you can't relate to them or worse that you aren't listening to them, aren't validating their feelings, you're dismissing them. They will remember your reaction when they were honest and shared how they were feeling. And they probably won't turn to you in the future when they're looking for support or encouragement. Now, I have to admit, I've been both of these people. I've been the person who said I was fine when I wasn't. And I've been the person who told someone to think positive. I mean, with the suppressing emotions part, who among us hasn't swallowed back tears at our desk and just carried on through our workday because we just didn't have time for a breakdown? Or worse, let our guard down long enough to let the tears out, only to quickly wipe them away while muttering allergies, as a co-worker happens by. But like I said, I've also been the person to tell someone to stay positive when they're feeling down. Now, in my defense, I think, I think, some of the people in my life look to me because I am generally an optimistic person. I mean... I think some of them expect that from me, like that's what they're looking for. It's not the case with everyone, but there is one specific person in my life who, when I uncharacteristically respond in a not so positive way, will ask, "What happened to your optimism?" So for them, I will stay positive. That's what they need from me. They don't need a reality check in that moment. What they need is a lift. But. For most people in my life, I have automatically tried to give a positive response when they're hurting. Instead of just sitting with them or letting them unload, I jump in with positivity. But what I didn't realize is that when I do this, I'm basically telling them that their feelings are making me uncomfortable and I just want them to stop. It's, that's not what I'm feeling. You know, in that moment, all I see is someone I love in pain, and I want to make it better. But doing this can feel dismissive, and that's the last thing I want someone I love to feel. I remember talking to my ex-boyfriend one time, and he was talking about someone he knew who had suffered a great loss, and how when he spoke to this person because he loved them so much that when they cried, All he wanted to do was to say something to get them to stop crying. And I understand that instinct. I do. No one wants to see someone they love in pain. But the person you love needs to know and feel safe enough to let that out. And if they're crying, that means that you are the person they feel safe enough with. So sometimes you just sit quietly with them. Sometimes you cry with them. That's all you have to do. They're not looking for you to fix it. And I told that to him. And then the next time that he met with this person, of course, the person, you know, talked about their loss and cried and he didn't just jump in and tell them, you know, it'll be okay. Or, oh, God, the worst one. And I, mm, this is a tough one, but it's one thing I never, ever try to say to anyone who has suffered a great loss is anything like, you know, it was God's plan. Can you think of a worse thing to say to someone? It's terrible. And it doesn't matter if I believe it or not. That is not something you say in that moment. Mm. I think that I'm getting better though, at least at the second part, I think, although this would probably be more up to the people that talk to me, I think I can now listen when someone I love is in pain and not swoop in with a helpful suggestion or a it will get better statement. You know, I can just be there for them and let them be honest with what they're feeling and not judge them. But you know, as I've told you, if you cry, I'm going to cry with you. No one cries alone as long as I'm around. I still think that the instinct to help is the right one, but there are better ways to go about it. Instead of saying, it will be okay, I try to say something like, how can I help to make it or okay? Or instead of saying, it could be worse. You know, say, that sucks. Is there anything I can do to help? The most important thing to remember is that most people just want to be heard. You know, they don't, they're not looking for a solution. And chances are that you aren't a licensed psychotherapist. So it's probably not wise for you to be doling out any advice anyway. So just listen, give them a hug, hold their hand. Don't be at the ready with a positive thought or phrase. And if that's your go-to response, take a pause. Try to remember what you would want and need in that situation and do that. And don't get me wrong, being positive, it's not a bad thing. For some people, it just comes naturally. And I think I might be one of those people. You know, they just have a sunny disposition and that's great. What I'm talking about is someone with forced or fake positivity. And the spreading of that kind of positivity really is toxic. The most important thing to remember is that there are no good or bad feelings. We need to stop doing this. And if there is one thing that I've learned in my almost 50 years is that feelings don't go away, no matter how hard we try to ignore them. They fester. You will always find a way out. And the longer you try to suppress them, the more destructive they will be when they do finally emerge. Like I said, sometimes that's a volcano. Sometimes it's a food binge. I'm still not going to unload on the poor target cashier, but I am going to try to start being more honest with what I'm feeling, at least with myself, than maybe with the people I trust the most baby steps. All right, guys, I am going to go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. Thank you so much for coming back for episode 18. Don't forget, join the Facebook group at my so-called Midlife Podcast. Like I said, if I remember, I will post pictures of the my new place in the group. So if you want to see those pictures, join the group. Follow me on Instagram at JettingJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and tell them to listen. That second part is important. Email me at my so-called midlifepodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye.